0: Welcome to Num Podcast. I'm Charles Chafin. Today we're talking about confirmation bias. I bet you already knew that. This is confirming your beliefs of what this show is going to be about, because you saw it in the title. And you're right. 16 seconds in. So far, so good. So I was thinking about confirmation bias recently. And more specifically, I was thinking about control that we tend to have over our information sources. Because I bought this book I won't say by whom, but I was really interested in this author um, and some papers that he had written, so it's a he, um, and even some appearances that he had on, well, they were posted on YouTube. So I bought his book, and I was really excited to read it. Psychologist. There's another clue. In the clinical psychology area. That's as far as I'll go. And then... I have the book. I'm holding the book right now. Um, and I went onto their Twitter account. You know, nothing good ever comes from that. Like nobody ever says, thank God I went on the Twitter. <laughs> but I went onto their Twitter account and they had posted all of these kind of wild conspiracy theories related to a lot of different things. And it made me not want to read the book. I'm like, well, why am I gonna read this guy's book? Stuff, the stuff he's saying is crazy, and it's a little dangerous. So then, my mind kind of went to this. I started thinking about um, college campuses. You know, before COVID, it seemed like it was always in the it was always in the news that um, somebody was invited to speak at a college campus, and their invite was, you know, they were disinvited. I think that's the right word. They were disinvited. They were told don't come because the students just didn't agree with them or the faculty didn't agree with their stance on whatever it was they were going to talk about. Now, I take out the people that are the fringe, you know, people that were, you know, told not to come because they were going to incite violence or they were going to say, you know, hateful things. I take that out. But I I find it I think I find it disturbing when it's, well, we don't agree with this person's stance on X. Again, I'm limiting the fringe, so we don't want them to come. I mean, the whole notion of learning and discourse, to me, is shot to hell if we say we're only going to invite people who we agree with. So, you know, this book... Which I haven't decided what I want to do with. I suppose I should read it so that I don't seem like a hypocrite for what I've written and what I talk about here. Um, got me thinking about that. And so then I, you know, I thought, you know, it would be good to talk about confirmation bias. I write about confirmation bias. People talk about confirmation bias all the time. And we have lots of what are called heuristics and biases as human beings. And this is probably, probably one of the more popular, right? People seem to talk about it a lot. And what it is, if you haven't read the book where I talk about it, um, I know you're going to get around to it. And I know that it's. if you haven't read the book, it isn't because of my Twitter account. I don't think so. Um, unless you think my Twitter account is so boring that you think the book might be as boring. I don't think that's the case. I put far more time into my writing than I do Twitter. Uh, but I digress. Anyway, so confirmation bias is, is our tendency to search for or Interpret or remember information that confirms our past experiences or our our beliefs or our values, um, and I've been thinking about specifically and in, in how we how it shapes how we select the information that we consume, and how we, you know, ignore or block information that goes against that. We have the, we have more ability to do that now, particularly when we think about it from a from a Uh, a news perspective than ever, right? Years and years ago, there was one or two newspapers in town, and there were, I guess, probably three or four broadcast news sources. And so it was a lot easier then because everybody was hearing relatively the same information. It doesn't mean they agreed. There were still people that sat on the right. There were people that sat on the left. But at least there was some starting point of what information is out there um, with less and less opinion, I think, than what what we're seeing now. But confirmation bias isn't just relative to our the news we consume, it's everywhere. So you think about confirmation bias where we work. So you could be... You have a meeting with your boss, and your boss says, I am really excited about this new project, and here's the new project. This is going to be the best thing we could do in 2022. It's a great rhyme. Let's, let's go and talk to our stakeholders, talk to our retailers. Let's do some market research on this and get back to me in a month or a week or an hour. I don't know. Whatever. But I'm really excited about this, folks. Let's go do it. So, well, what do you do? Well, you know, if if you're talking to your stakeholders, you might start by saying, Hey, Gwendola, we're really excited about this project. I mean, really excited. The boss is really excited about it. Should we do it? Well, I mean, you're already starting there. (laughs) You know, it's tougher for that person to say, well, no. This is the dumbest idea I've ever heard, right? It might even shape how you ask her the questions. So you get the information that you know is going to make the boss happy. Same thing with a market research. That's an easy one, right? You're doing a survey. I shouldn't say easy, but it's easier, right? You could develop a survey that's going to give you the results that you're looking for that's going to make the boss happy. Because in your mind, you're thinking, do I really want to go back to, to my boss and say to him or her, who's really excited about this project, you know, boss, this is a terrible idea. I mean, we, we talked to everybody, we did the market research, and I, I don't know what you're smoking. I mean, what are you doing? We can't do this, right? So we're developing information that's gonna support that to make our, make our boss happy. I write about, you know, in medicine, confirmation bias can be pretty scary um you know we can basically look at kind of a combination between confirmation bias and availability bias in that if if a if a physician has a particular hunch that this is a right diagnosis of a patient it could shape the subsequent questions that that physician would ask that patient if they think that that the patient has I don't know. Whatever whatever athlete's foot. They may ask questions that would give get that that would further that hypothesis that the patient has athlete's foot. That was the best example I could come up with. It's a terrible example. Um and I write about a num that It's even the case when it comes to x-rays, right? Looking at x-rays, you go in with a hunch that this is what the patient has. How you're looking at those x-rays and where where your eyes go in searching for information to determine what that diagnosis is, is shaped by, right? We're shaping our, we have a bias, and how we're collecting that information is shaped by that bias. And that could be really, really dangerous when it comes to, medicine when it comes to our work and certainly where we are politically, whether it's in the United States or Europe. And and confirmation bias has helped us. I mean, our, our Stone Age brains were wired for, you know, having this notion of past experiences impact our current thinking, especially if we're trying to avoid, you know, a hairy animal attacking us, a furry animal, I guess, attacking us or um, trying to be part of the tribe. It's been helpful to us. It's not as helpful to us in some cases now. And so, you know, one of the things that we can do is, is just admit that we have it, that we all have some element of confirmation bias, that we can sit here as you're listening to this and say, you know, I do tend to search for information that, confirms where I sit politically and if your goal hopefully is to be a well-informed voter or investor or member of society you might say you know what this isn't a real this is not a balanced diet maybe I need to change this up a little bit now with your boss I don't know what to tell you about that one (laughs) depends on where you work um but, and certainly, if you're listening to this as a physician, um, you're probably aware of this, and it's 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 actually quite prevalent um when it comes to to the shaping of of the information that a physician's looking for in confirming whether diagnoses are. There's some element of age that's part of it. I don't get into that too much, but you know, there are papers that suggest that as individuals get older, they tend to make snap decisions more quickly, and that can also impact um, can also it, confirmation bias can be a, can be even a a bigger issue there individuals being a little bit more dogmatic um, and it's also by the way i mean you could think about it when it comes to emotionally charged issues so gun controls i write about gun control in the book, and you know if we are for more gun control, how we remember instances of gun violence will certainly shape and, and further our argument. Same if we're if we're against gun control, we might remember more instances where a gun thwarted further gun violence. Or, you know, places that have more gun control, we might remember more violent instances in those places. So emotionally charged issues can also play a part in in confirmation bias. So if we recognize that we have it and we decide that we want to be well-informed and make good decisions, that can go a long way um, in helping address some of that. Um. I want to remind you, we're doing a short episode today. I keep getting emails about shorter episodes that you all love them, and I don't know how to take that. I guess it's a good thing, you know. But I do read several of them, and they say we really like the shorter episodes. And my mind immediately goes to, "We want less of you." <laughs> Nevertheless, this is a this is a short episode. I've got some great interviews with some guests coming uh, for longer episodes here early in twenty twenty two. A reminder that you can get the NUM podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or wherever else you get to your podcasts. And I do hope that if you can leave a review, uh, particularly on Apple Podcasts, a positive review, I hope that you do. Uh, I'm going to share one email today, and that's from Kelly J. in Queens, New York. Uh, Not very far from here. Uh, Love the podcast. The email episode was so helpful. I've told my team to be more deliberate about the times that they are engaging email and maybe, just maybe, Kelly says, they should talk directly with a colleague and avoid email when possible. I'm not sure how it will all work for us, but one of my goals is to get myself and my team away from being tethered. I love that word. Tethered to the inbox all day. Thanks for the book and podcast. I am numb and both of them are helping. Thank you, Kelly, for that great email. Um, yeah, I love the word tethered. That's so great. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I there's a couple of things there. I mean, certainly the idea of having more discussion instead of a one-off email can be really, really helpful because it could lead to other opportunities for collaboration. Right. And, you know, I, I think every organization's different when it comes to, um, how you can effectively manage email without the email inbox managing you and in some cases it could be just having specific times or asking even individual employees have specific times where you're not on email or specific times when you're going to be on email you know different organizations and companies are doing different things some require more vigilance with the email inbox than others but Having that set time is is really really important, um, and I, I you know I I actually think it's a it's it's like so many other things in confirmation bias is one. It's just that recognition, right? Having the recognition that you know what, be, having my outlook open all day waiting for, um, you know, waiting for push notifications is not helping me with my other work. You know, some people they're in a you know, an external role where all they're doing is responding to, you know, folks and they they need to be on email, but other people are doing projects and collaborating and creative thinking and staring at the inbox is taking up a lot of cognitive resources. So I appreciate the, the, um, uh, this email. And there were several others that talked about that from an organizational perspective and, um, excited to, to maybe talk to a couple of, um, organizations about how to help them with that. Um, and I should mention, by the way, my um, website is com. If you're interested in uh, learning more about all that, uh, you probably heard a little splice there in audio because I have, I was getting ready to do our song for today and I read the song and then realized, Oh my goodness, there's some lyrics in here that I can't share. Otherwise I have to change the, change uh, the rating on the podcast. Um, I won't tell you which song it was, because because then you'll say, what you should say, he has such terrible judgment. How did he not know that there were bad lyrics in that song? What's wrong with him? So instead, I'll do this one. Stopped, in, stopped into a church. I passed along the way. Well, I got down on my knees, and I pretend to pray. You know the preacher like the cold. He knows I'm going to stay. Of course, that's California Dreamin' on such a winter's day by the mamas and the papas and it is cold here in the northeastern part of the US and uh, I think a lot of us are California dreaming I should remind you that the audio engineer for the Numb podcast is Tim Dolbear and the music is written and performed by the great Jim Torito that'll do it for this week everybody remember if you're not where you are you're nowhere see you later